Right. Welcome to Utility Podcast, episode 11. Uh, my name is Jeff. This is my co-host, Bernardo. Today, our guest is Alejandro Cartagena. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Uh, he has 13 collections minted, and I can't believe I'm saying that because I only thought he had carpoolers, which makes me feel really dumb. Um, not only that, but he's a founding member of Obscura, Rawdow, Fellowship Trust, and a curator of the Magnum NFT collection. Did I get all that correct? Yes. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today, and uh, how are you doing? Doing great. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, I've been tapping into to the podcast and you know excited to have an opportunity to just talk to you guys. So yeah, thank you for the invite. With all of that, with all of that intro, it makes me feel like you don't sleep at all. Oh my God. Are you I, okay? I am okay. I do sleep. I go to sleep early uh, uh, most of the times. But, you know, this is something that I've been thinking about and why I'm so excited and why I do so much, so many things is, and uh, like I'm literally typing this out in a, for, a, for a tweet and is that there's no use cases of how to do NFT photography. And so I am so hyped and so motivated because this is the time to experiment. It's, 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 a, it's a brave new world. It doesn't matter what you do, it's new and it's exciting. And the possibilities of failure are very high, but the opportunities to experiment something that you hadn't done before are very, very cool. And coming from the traditional world where, you know, I was a teacher, I used to work in a museum, I worked at an archive, I've worked with galleries. All these new projects that I'm doing in the space is like, I'm doing the things that I could not do outside. So it's like, okay, it's time to experiment, boom. And so that's why I'm like super hyper on, on the space. Slower now with the bear market, which is a really good thing, but, but yeah, trying a lot of yeah. things out. I'm glad you say that because that's one of the things that at least me and Jeff, we like a lot that we see on the NFT. Um, we, and in the past, we talked about last the last episode that just came today. We talked about using photography and AI at the same time. And you have a collection of AI that I found that I didn't know. <laughs> Very good. And all these things, it, it's it's amazing that people, people should experiment, you know, yes. should experiment. And... Yeah, I think we are doing the same. We are experimenting doing a podcast. Exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah, I feel like we just started it and thought, you know, we'll see if this becomes something. But now it's like, it feels like it's going and going and going. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to add this to my pile of things that I'm doing. But every time I like take a shower or like go for a walk, my mind starts to wander. And then I'm like, what if I did this? And it's like, there's, it's such a, limitless frontier that it's a little overwhelming because it's like mm. it's like when your teacher was like write a uh, write a report about anything you want you're like don't do that to me like give me a subject yeah. like give me <laughs> give me rails give me guardrails because yeah. it's so open that it feels it feels limitless and that's a little overwhelming at times yeah mm -hmm. no I, I i i get what you're what you're saying i guess for me it's been like a a natural fit because of that precisely that I was mentioning before that I've I've been doing so many things in 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 like the traditional art world I mean yes I, I was a teacher a museum a, a archive I also organized 
photography festivals. I organized uh, exhibitions. I organized con photography contests in the past. I've been a curator. I've been a portfolio reviewer. Uh, like I've done all these, all there is to do. Uh, and part of that, like a hyper or double working is, is because I, I've always felt left out. Like I'm here in Mexico, everything that when it, when it comes to photography and like making it quote unquote, making it is in the U S or Europe. So for me, I'm always working twice or double to be seen, you know, yeah. having to travel to like, everything's more expensive, but I was like, I was committed. Like I, this is what I want to do. I have these demons in my mind of things that I want to do. <laughs> I'm just going to go for it. Right. Uh, but I, it, because I've been doing double when I came into the NFT space, maybe it seems like, oh, this guy is working so much. I'm doing exactly the same thing. It's just, you know, I've always felt underrepresented uh, with less opportunities for grants, for contests, for exhibitions to be selected in, in curatorial ideas. Because I'm Mexican and I'm like in the middle of nowhere where art is like a side project for for the industrialist of this town <laughs> i'm glad you bring that up because we have some some questions about that okay. um but before we go into that you were saying that you were very prolific in in your work in the tra and in the traditional art scene traditional mm -hmm. photography scene how was that a bridge to to nfts we sure. always ask this because everyone is different. How did you come to, to this space? Sure. Um, so I, I started in photography, like many just curious. And then uh, I worked at the museum and at the archive. That's where I learned photography. Then I taught a, a, at university. I did a master's in uh, visual studies. And then I went off and took a leap of faith and I left everything that had to do with like working for people. And I started to do my projects and I was lucky enough to uh, get picked up by four galleries, uh, one in the US, one in Mexico, one in Italy, one in Canada, and they started selling my prints. Then I went into self-publishing and I started publishing my own books. That came out of frustration because publishing houses basically want to charge you $20,000, $30,000 and give you 50 books. And I said, well, if I pay you that I want at least half of the books so that I can make my money back. So I started my self-publishing uh, company basically here in the studio. Uh, and that's where, uh, when I met the idea of NFTs, um, it was in the middle of the pandemic. A friend of mine who worked, uh, was a curator at WeTransfer told me, hey, I, 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 I know this guy, he's uh, gonna start doing NFTs. I had no idea what that meant. They're they're selling digital artwork, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Right? I had like I had like four solo shows signed up for 2020 across the U.S. All canceled, art fairs canceled, uh, booths that were canceled. So I'm like, okay, I'll try whatever, whatever you know, <laughs> doesn't matter. And that person was Kayvon from Foundation. Uh, and so mm -hmm. I, I submitted my, my work. I submitted carpoolers, uh, that was in October, 2020. And I got onto the platform. We were, I think maybe max 10 people on foundation at that time. Uh, and 
I didn't sell shit because uh, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't like use Twitter or not. like. But yeah, did it make sense for you to sell a digital a digital file? So this is this at that time. This is how I worked it out for my uh, Excel sheet of editions that I had at that time. I blocked out the rest of the editions that were left of those images in my Excel sheet. So for the carpoolers, I do an edition of 10, two and two author and three author proofs. So I blocked out the the seven or eight editions that were left. So I was going to basically substitute the print with the NFT. That was my first logic of how this makes sense in the traditional art world. You cancel your print and you make it into the NFT. Uh, but later on for me, it, it I it doesn't make any sense to do digital editions to some extent for me. Now, what my my NFT represents, it's a DAP, a digital author proof, which is the master file from where I print my prints and where I print the books. So it's the original digital file that basically creates all my iterations of photographs. So that's what you're buying when you're buying my NFT. It's the master file that's now an NFT. That's cool. Yeah. Do you feel like, do you feel like carpoolers will always be your like Genesis project? And do you see it evolving in any way? Or like, I guess there's always this discussion about there's expectations in the, in the other parts of the NFT world. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they're weird, frankly. <laughs> to an artist, I think they're just completely bizarre and I am constantly trying to reconcile them, which is yeah. like, what's the utility of this? Or like, are you going to drop more? Is there a continuation of this project? Are there carpoolers too? Like, mm -hmm. can you speak to that a little bit as to like sure. what your theory of, of that is? Sure. So I would say um, what, what my philosophy of that is, my utility for the people who hold my carpoolers is my continuation of my career. As long as I'm there working and yes. producing new work <clears throat> and experimenting, that is what's going to hold the value for the people who bought the pieces. I if love I, that so If much. I stop, then yeah, there might be a problem with that. Uh, if, if an artist stops producing, it can go two ways. It can go to obscurity or you can have what what happened with the punks you don't have like the designers of the punks going hey buy this and like promote no the community itself organized and they are the sustainers of the punks so it's not the punk creators it's the owners that create the community so for an artist you you, you it can go both ways it can go to obscurity if you stop or you built a fan base and a community that says, we don't give a shit about the artist. We love this and we're going to take it forward and, is, and, and build utility for it. So what is the ideal for an artist like you in this situation? Like when you think about something like punks, mm -hmm. I've been thinking about punks a lot lately. Um, yeah. and like how they're so incredibly unique and I, sorry, I don't want to get up on punks, but like, it's a really good comparison to carpoolers mm -hmm. in the sense that like, what if, I mean, I own a carpooler, which I'm yeah. very excited about and thank you for helping me. <laughs> yes, um, yes. What if I took my carpooler and I'm like, I'm going to create 
a life of it, like make this into a life of its own. Like I've seen you mm -hmm. kind of criticize um, like web two people saying like, mm -hmm. don't take my work and like copy it and then put, use it for your like Mazda advertisement or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so like, what would you do if like a collector was like, we're going to, you know, who cares about the artist? We're going to make this iconic. Like what, how would you feel about that? I, if there's a conversation, I'm all for it. Like that is, I think it's, it's a question of respect. Um, like when I came out with the carpoolers, there was this illustrator, uh, that started to do illustrations of the carpoolers, like digital illustrations and started selling them on foundation. And I was like, oh, I was like taken aback and I'm like, oh, what do I do with this? But then he sold one and he had included me in the split. So he sold mm -hmm. and I got a, 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 like a royalty for the sale. And then I was like, oh, okay. It's not that bad. It's not about the money, but he acknowledged that I was there by giving me a split. So that, cool. that for me is like, okay, as long as there is a connection and a conversation in one way or, or another, I, I mean, that's beautiful. You know, that's what art is supposed to be. It's about building relationships and, and more conversations. So it's a question of respect. <clears throat> I mean, you, you invite somebody to your house and if they do something disrespectful, you'll be mad. If they tell you, hey, I, I love this wall so much, would you consider maybe doing a graffiti here? Can I bring some paper and let's mock it up to see how it looks? And, and if you like it, you're like, okay, let's do it for real, right? As long as somebody's asking the question, can I do this? I'm all, I'm all ears for sure. So that's that's very nice that you were speaking about the type of collaborations that are possible to do and the type of conversations that can be done between collectors or people that want to to use your work. And now we are going to get into a little bit more the curation platforms that you've been founding mm -hmm. and where we have some questions and where me and Jeff we disagree in some in some parts <laughs> here. Um so all the plat all the platforms that you um, founded because you founded Obscura and you founded Fellowship and mm -hmm. you are the founders of Rodao. Yes, I see these uh, platforms nowadays bringing being a ramp, a lot of a ramp to web to uh, photographers, ma mainly Fellowship, mm -hmm. being a ramp for uh, um, web to photographers. Do you think these curation platforms are more designed? for bringing people into the into this space or do you feel they are tastemakers mm, that's an interesting question um because there's a lot of a lot of stuff here <laughs> that we can <laughs> go yeah, through yeah, there yeah. <laughs> i mean i would say our mission is not to be tastemakers that's i mean honestly that word hasn't even been like spoken about in in either of the platforms uh, I would say that maybe in Raw DAO, yes, it's been talked about because its specific uh, mission is to collect. Hence, there will be some taste making because we're collecting, right? Uh, but with the other two uh, platforms, I would say, like I said earlier in the in the in our conversation, it was trying to do things that are not possible in Web two. And because I have that experience in Web2 in, in all these different type of institutions, from a museum to a, a university, 
to you know organizing events this what what we're doing is what is that little like loophole where web3 can do something that you couldn't build outside like right now i'll i'll, I'll like fellowship fellowship yes maybe right now what is uh, more visible is that we're bringing these like iconic photographers who have built their communities outside in web2 and have a massive career but at the same time we started fellowship collecting emerging artists like that was our sole focus uh and we've had this conversation jeff like we were going in and buying hard like all <laughs> the emerging photographers that were there that were going out there because we saw we do feel that the history of photography is has been done by white male americans and we need to find another way to construct a different history of photography and we started buying everything that we thought can shift that that time that future timeline to to put it some some way so yes we're focusing on icons and and these master photographers but we are interested in creating such a weird situation for photography that maybe the outcome is going to be different for everybody so right now you have these emerging artists sitting side by side with people like Gregory Crutzen or Joel Meyerowitz that's unheard of on web2 like it, it's really hard to those those two career paths to find themselves in the middle and having a conversation that we don't know what's going to happen with that but we're excited about that opportunity though but do you see like fellowship being like an agency of it's, of no. for that will merge these these two groups of people together it's it, how we do that is through acquisitions so the building of our collection where you will see the two uh, coinciding coinciding uh, the the elections of the curator that we have he's a mexican curator fernando gallegos who has a completely different view from the stereotypical white american curator that can you know talk about photography from that perspective he's talking from the fringe he's talking from the the place of i've seen what the you know the establishment has done for curation and i know what i want to do that is different to that so it's by very specific uh, team members and decisions that we're fighting for a new future of photography and you can't one thing to to acknowledge you can't change the future if you don't completely understand the past and that's one of our strengths too in in fellowship is that we have a very solid team of people who have been curating collecting promoting uh, photographers for years so we know what's missing and what we can do for web3 that hasn't been done so it it's not going to be perfect but we're trying like we said at the beginning this is like there's no use case for this is how you do web3 photography projects there's no use case that's what we're doing here i think that's the that's the thing that people get stuck on a little bit is like everybody everybody's bringing in their own framework in their head mm -hmm. to this space so like i'm bringing in my centralization is bad i'm a i'm a crypt i'm a crypto trader like uh, you know, like GameStop, whatever, like, you, you, like, you know, down with the big guys, 
yes, yes. mentality. So I'm bringing that in. And I think everyone else brings in the, these little perspectives and they say, this is, you're not doing this right. Or you're not, they want to point out what's wrong. Yeah. And I think, I think we're not pointing out what's amazing about this. And I think, I think, um, I think it's just conversations like this that really, really help. It was a conversation that I had with you. Yeah. Some random tweet you put out that I answered <laughs> to. And I was like, we no, spent is... hours on that. And I was like, gosh, I really feel like I got to follow through with this because it's, it's starting to change my mind. And it was really talking about how I think I got really like defensive of like, well, if you want to be in the space, you got to show up and like do the work. And you were like, well, all these people have been doing work for years. Yeah. It's just, they haven't been doing it in crypto. Do we penalize them because they haven't been in crypto? Like most people don't even know what, what we're doing over here. Exactly. And so it was a good point. And I like, I thought about it all night. I was thinking, oh man, like I've been, I've been mistaken in how I've been thinking about this because I would, I think I bought a lot of photography from, I'm just going to say a specific person who kind of like came in and dropped some stuff and then left. And it was disappointing. Mm. And so I've always been a little bit like crusty about that. <laughs> um, but that's just my own, that's my own baggage. But I think a lot of the complaints are coming from baggage. I don't know if that's actually a question. It's just something I'm putting out there. No, I mean, you make a good point. Um, the, I would say the proof is in the pudding. If they come, they dump and they leave. It's, it's on them, you know, uh, and well, if they, it's also on the people they dump on. Yeah, also, also, yes. <laughs> but, but, but the thing is, Jeff, you can make something out of that collection or those works, even without them. You know, it's not going to be a, what they've, they're expecting, but you can do the, you know, the inclusion of that work in, the, in your collection or, you know, emphasizing on that collection. You can make it become alive for you. Uh, but but anyways, I I I, mean, I think you make a great point. We all come with different baggages to uh, to the space, and the the thing is that there is no crypto natives yet. Those are those are being born right now, and yeah. so we can't talk about that yet. I wasn't. I'm not crypto native yet. I was curious, and I you know took the leap of faith, and here I am. But I would never consider myself crypto native, right? Uh, and that's the openness that I think we we should have to give the opportunity for more curious people that need to come. Because, and, and I think I was talking to Alpha Trilogy about this, and I was telling him, you know, how important it is to expand who we let into the space, and and welcome them with whatever they want to do because it, it's that adaptation what's going to keep everything healthy for the ecosystem of, of especially for nft photography which is what we're passionate about so openness like just just letting people come in and, and i would say people leave because they never got it that's that's something to consider they never hmm. got it they never understood the possibility of reshaping their lives reshaping other people's lives or the way a culture is built right but those are like 
grandiose things and you need to take a leap of faith. And people sometimes need more time to take a leap of faith. So, you know, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. I'll tell you an anecdote of why that can be the case. When I started selling the carpoolers and it sold out in a week, I thought I was done. But like, I thought my job, my job here has been done. And then the collector started DMing me and saying, hey, can, you know, I'd love to meet you and, and you know, talk about the work. And I was like, oh, strange. That has never happened to me in like the art world. Like <laughs> I sell a print at the art fair, the gallery does it. And, you know, if I'm there at the art fair, I say hello to the collector and that's it. So when like DM after DM after DM collectors, like I was spending my whole day talking to collectors when, when that happened. And I was like, oh, this is, this is interesting. Like, this is like a whole new way to think of doing art and closing the circle of thinking of a work, producing it, exhibiting it and distributing it and then finding a collector. And that circle always ended with, there's the piece, let me go do more work. And so now it, it, it suddenly was, I, I sold the work and now I'm building a relationship with a collector. And yes, I'm gonna do more work, but like, you, like all these collections you said that I, that I have, all of them, I was talking to collectors saying, hey, I'm thinking of dropping, you know, doing this launch of this project. I'm thinking of doing this. And I would get feedback from them all the time. Like yeah. that, that was so novel to me and really exciting uh, to be able to continue the relationship. Not that I don't have relationship with collectors that buy my prints, but very few. Uh, I would say maybe three or four, like I, I, I have a close relationship with. The rest, I don't even know who they are. So hmm. it's, it's, so it's an interesting thing i want to touch on that on that actually because that is that is a little bit as well what you and jeff discussed on the twitter thread mm -hmm. and i think some people going back a little bit some people are coming out of the space because they don't sell as well mm. not because i i think the people that i know that went they and i collected them they came to me and said look i'm going because i cannot take this yeah. I said, fair enough, fair enough. I bought, I bought your photo because I like the photo. You of know, course. I was not expecting more utility from it, but the utility that that you are talking about, and that is one of the major things that makes me collect, is the connection. Is mo a lot of times I see myself uh, thinking that I'm buying my education while buying these photos. Yeah. Because every time I buy a photo, I spend so much time talking, not not all of them, but some some of the photographers, I spend so much time talking with them yeah. and trying to uh, understand their process, their mind. And for for me, that the, that is as much value yeah. for me as the photo itself. Yes. So whenever you were saying that uh all these uh, masters that are coming mm -hmm. to the space and they are not going to do that part. Mm -hmm. And that is a part that is important for me. Yeah. Um, do you see 
do you think this is a thing just because we are so few at the moment and mm. I'm a type of collector that likes that, but yeah. eventually other types will come? Or do you think this will shift a little bit the market for this this type of interaction? Oh, uh, but I mean, the people that we are onboarding, they are like super excited to be part of Web3. I mean, they are selling NFTs because they believe in NFTs. They're not selling it to make a buck. They don't need money, guys. Like these guys have a solid career. They Their vision of success is a new audience and new collectors that they can build relationships with. So like some of the collectors that we've uh, we've put the pieces with in, in fellowship, they're messaging the artists. So it, mm. it's it's going to happen. It's just it's a little slower because these guys not are not only doing NFTs, they are doing three solo exhibitions with major museums around the world. So they can't dedicate all the time to NFTs, but they're willing to to have the conversations with whoever knocks on their door. So I would say yeah, so you yeah. think the relationship between collector and artist is changed forever. Um for a good with the NFT space thing? Yes. Um I would say it's not changed forever. A new door has opened. Let's put it that way. Okay. And a new door has opened and I'll I'll give you why I think this is something that's going to work the NFT idea and art and especially photography coming from the museum world i like i worked some time in the education department there was a lot a lot of effort to get people to come see the art you know like uh, lectures programs a uh, guided tours uh a, a, like a, a marketing announcements thousands and thousands of dollars to get people hyped on the art that's being shown at the museum. Take the NFT model. What happens with the NFT model? You are giving the opportunity for somebody to collect the work and feel part of the artwork by collecting it. And that opportunity, it's not that it wasn't there with prints, it was just the price point was too high and crazy. But now with the NFT, I think there's there are entry points for more audiences and more fans and more collectors, however you want to call them, to say, I have this piece. Now it's part of who I am. Hence, I don't need you to be like force, force feeding me a, a information. I'm going to look for it because this is part of my collection. This is part of who I am. So the, the, I mean, the most beautiful case study was the August Sonder project. The amount of people that were out looking for information about these August Sonder images. They were going to places, photographing what they thought was the, the place that was in the image that they had in, as part of their collection. People looking into you know, books, sending us information. Oh, look, I found this extra information for the metadata. It was like, holy shit, this is what all museums wish they had from an audience interaction devotion to the project and just sheer enthusiasm for being part of a project that doesn't happen in web 2 like it's it's really difficult to get people excited about a project and nobody was needing to force feed anybody it was like now you own it you can do whatever you want you can get excited or you can put it in your closet right 
Uh, so I think there's we're yet to see how much more a audiences we can build with NFTs uh, than with regular Web2 styles of building and educating uh, about photography. I think this is interesting. Um, one of the things that I think about when I think about people being onboarded into Web3 from, from that traditional art world is like they feel different. Like as a collector, it feels different. Like you're accessible, but I felt like you were accessible because you'd been in the space for a while, mm -hmm. a while, a year, like not <laughs> even that long. And I feel like the people who've been in for a while and who are vocal and who are building things are very accessible, right? Yeah. But like, for example, and I'll use an example from I think Fellowship mm -hmm. because I love this artist. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to butcher her name. Alessandra Sanguetti? Sanguinetti. <laughs> I'm so bad at names. It's like reading Twitter all day makes me terrible at names, but it's all good. Um, I love that collection so much. And okay, so here, let me just walk you through like my interaction with that collection. Sure. Just so you know from your side what I'm dealing with as a collector. Not that who, who really cares, but <laughs> but like um but you are going to say and no no no, no. Say it's say important it. and, it's important know, everyone this has is... to listen to me. sorry yeah yeah this is this is the opportunity yeah so it was like i was like i love these and someone someone reached out and was, was like oh do you want to get some of these and i was like yes these are amazing mm -hmm. i want some and i want this many can i have this many for this much and they're like well let me go ask the artist so it was like this little intermediary yeah. And that felt, it, it felt the same as like quantum too, to be honest, mm. is like, there, like there's this middleman, right? Mm. And the middleman is you guys. Yeah. And like talking to you right now feels great. I'm like, yeah. I feel like you're my friend, like yeah. maybe not, but we're acquaintances and you seem like a yeah. really nice guy. Thanks, but man. like dealing <laughs> with these kind of anonymous intermediaries felt like very web two-ish where I was like, well, I can I DM this person or should I not? And then I looked at her Twitter and she's like new on Twitter. So I was like, well, she's probably just joining to like kind of be there a little bit for people. But then also, I don't know, in my previous yeah. experience, when I talked to people who were just on Twitter to like be the photographer that just came in, they were a little bit reticent to like communicate. So like, I think my idea while you were talking was like, man, there should be like this like blind date or like get together function where like <laughs> you just get a bunch of collectors and like a bunch of these people who are coming into web three uh -huh. to like experience um nfts for the first time like these masters who are like dropping these collections they should be introduced to all like the collectors or anyone who wants to yes. and then they can have this like a little social gathering even if it's on online because i feel like as soon as i meet someone i immediately want to buy their photography yeah, yeah and yeah. it's just so different than finding something randomly online, buying yeah. it and then figuring out ah, that guy's kind of a jerk or whatever, you know, like, yeah, 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 it's just a different experience. And so I'm like, man, there's, if there's some way we can court these people and like yes. meet them, because that's the thing that's most exciting to me as a collector also. This is something, I mean, a, for us, at least on, uh, on fellowship, this is what we're, we're building right now. Like every single one of the artists, studios, the estates, the, the, the photographers themselves, we're having like, one-on-one -on -one conversations as to education on Twitter, education on how to use Discord. So they're all, they will all be there to have the conversation because we told them 
this is not the same way uh, as web two and don't expect that you this doesn't work the same way we need to have you be accessible we need you to have these conversations because that is really important for for building a new type of not only i'm, I'm not this isn't for you the collector this is for photography at large we need something new we need something different more yeah, humanized paradigm. yeah a new paradigm exactly so i would say it we're we're on it because we want something different and we've like basically we've seen how different it becomes if you do build those relationships in web3 so it's like you know if they ask well you know how how can you give us examples of like successful like uh, artists who have done stuff that were like yes here are the examples and you know one of the things that are important is to be open and and to have conversations with people and that is going to be amazing for you and for the collectors and for whoever's asking the questions and i brought you know we bring up the the, the examples of why do people go to listen to your lectures because they want to hear from the source why did you do these things why are you thinking this it's, way it's why we have a podcast i'm like i just want to talk to these people <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly uh and then i i'd love to mention like your experience with alessandra think we always I mean, this is so this is so amazing we always have two sides alessandra is the sweetest person ever i mean she is so lovable uh but she's working all the time like she is um like doing photography 24 7 like that is her bread and butter she loves that and plus she has a farm and she has to tend her animals so oh. you know, i didn't so, know that that's amazing so it's like how do we like how do we make that into something that people understand that it's not that she doesn't want to be here she wants to i mean she she did the fellowship drop uh with uh, guillem belinde she did a commission for Obscura. She went to Argentina for a whole month to photograph in a rural area in Argentina. She called me up in December of last year and she said, Alejandro, I feel like a 16 year old girl photographing for the first time because I have absolute liberty to do whatever I want with this commission. I mean, that's beautiful. You know, for me, I admire her so much. And for her to call me and tell me, this is how she feels with something that comes from Web3. That tells me that she understands why Web3 is important for photography. Yes. Right? So I think I think this, and I, I've tweeted about this, I think going forward, this type of commissions for artists to do whatever they want are mm -hmm. going to be more and more present. Even yeah. collectors, I, we spoke about a little bit about that. Um, I envision in the future, imagine that I like a photographer so much that I can envision a future where myself, I can tell, look, do you, or the, the photographer comes to me and say, I would love to do this. Mm -hmm. Can you help me? And I will help. And then with a smart contract, it's so easy for things to be on paper, not on paper, but to be uh, on fair. the ledger. Yeah. And you fair, know, yeah. Um, so I see that and, and, and and I'm bullish on 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 the space. I'm yeah. bullish on the space. And the thing is that, again, I I the idea of commissions comes from my disappointment 
that that system doesn't work in web two. Like I, when I started doing photography, I always thought that there was going to be people that were going to be seeing what I was doing and they were going to come to me and say, Hey, I want to support you doing more of that. And, and holy shit, it's not true. It doesn't happen. <laughs> like, but I think, but I think with this, with this smart contract it's going to be a lot easier because yes, yes. then the person that is going to uh, facilitate that mm -hmm. will take there's profit that there can be profit on it yeah. and the incentives are aligned i would say well before it would be more patrons i assume mm -hmm. yeah so i mean this is this is again this is what we're trying to do okay this idea i mean we call it the grant system in the traditional art world uh, i was a judge for a grant like three months ago I reviewed around 600 applications for a $2,000 grant. Oh my God. It's nothing. Give me a fucking break. Like that doesn't make any sense when we were giving commissions to people for a lot more of that. Right. And so yeah. it's like something's broken in the art world somewhere. We went array and we, we thought the, that artists and photographers actually don't need money to to be free to do the crazy stuff that they need to do and that again is one of the opportunities with less bureaucracy uh and a little bit more freedom that web3 can do um it, it, it won't save everybody because you know there's not enough collectors and 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 actually platforms organizations to be able to do more and more but we're getting there i think that is the the what we're tapping into and what we're knocking on like can we imagine another way of how to support artists hmm, let's try this let's see what happens and maybe it's not obscura maybe it's not fellowship maybe there's going to be another institution organization a bigger DAO that is just going to be the one right that's really going to you know energize this idea of, of commissions and you know or, or even i don't know like a a year membership and it's like 200 grants per year for photographers and they have a whole year to just be free go out and do what you need to do you're covered just be an artist we need yeah, more of those right so yes we do need and we <laughs> me and jeff at least we like that and yeah. jeff is 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 building the big Ugg studio which it has a little bit to do with that as well Amazing. um my question, and now it's going a little bit more to the market side, okay. um, as collectors, me and Jeff, um, we focus a lot of, on those parts as well. My question for you is, do you think there's a, a demanded supply problem or is that something that is just on the collector's mind because photography is everywhere? Yeah. And is that something that is in our mind that there, the, the space is full of photography and there's no not enough people to buy it let me let me elaborate on that so there's there's two things to think about that one i don't think there's an over demand there's an inefficient photography market and I'll, I'll tell you what that means and second it's exactly the same in web 2 and the in the traditional art world there are too many photographers or what feels like too many photographers so What's happening in Web3 is exactly what's been happening in Web2 since, I don't know, 100 years going back. Uh, so if you have that feeling, 
it's nothing new. It's what it is, you know, that it's, it's just what it is. And then the inefficiency of the market, that is what I think is creating a sensation that something's not working in the photography market. And, and I tweeted about this is you have really good collectors, you have really good photographers, and somehow they can't connect to each other. They can't, they, they, there seems to be a problem in the messaging where I don't know if it, there's too much noise or photographers that are really good and have really good projects can't communicate efficiently to the collectors. Uh, so when we, I mean, Jeff, I mean, when, when you found really good messaging about a body of work that you like, it's like, yeah, I'll buy that because you found the right message and a right way to, to get to that. But that doesn't happen every day. That doesn't have, it's difficult to message the collector without it being like a Spamish or uh, in a way that doesn't feel natural. And that I think is an effort that we all need to work on. How do we make it efficient? Good work with good collectors. How do we, how do we bridge that? And, yeah, and it's like, yeah. it's like building, building infrastructure is one of the things that I feel like it's unappreciated work. And I don't think anyone really wants to do it, but like, it's <laughs> so necessary. Like people need these connecting points and it's, yeah. go ahead get your finger up, buddy. I know. No. <laughs> finish, finish. <laughs> no, I was just, I mean, I was going to with that and then I was going to transition into my very selfish question. Okay. No, I was just going to ask one question in here in the middle, and I didn't want to interrupt because we Go tend ahead. to interrupt each other. Um, is that not the tastemakers? Is not that the curation platforms to make that tastemaker thing? Yes and no. Uh, I would say if you use the idea of the tastemaker, it has a connotation of gatekeeping. Yes. So, and, yes. It's, and it's not about that. It's about building an efficient market at all levels with a consciousness that there are different levels of connecting. There is really good iconic work. There's really good mid-career work. There's really good emerging artists uh, uh, work. And then there's things that are like being born that are really good. If the problem with Web3 is that everything was focused on the top tier and that was it. There was nothing more trickling down to the other, other you know, parts of photography making. What we need to do in Web three is attack the four tiers: the the the, mm -hmm. the top, the mid, the emerging, and the the just being born uh, artists. If we can do that, then we'll have a again a more efficient market and a more just market to some extent. All right, I'm going to ask my really like selfish question here, which is: oh. I think there might be interest in this, in the sense that like I do think a lot of people are here who are photographers and they love being here and there's people, artists and there's collectors, but everyone has that itch a little bit to build something because right now everyone's building. So everyone's like, oh, let me build something. Hmm. From what I see of your organizations and the things that you're helping with and things that you're participating with, it seems that you are a master of delegating hmm. and finding the right team. Can you... How do you do that? <laughs> like if you're building something or if you're building an organization or structure, like, like, like I just said, we need to build these little, like, let's build a bridge to like those mid tier collectors or like the mid tier artists or the people yeah. who are just starting. Like, 
let's build those connections. Like if someone was building those connections, you know, what are, what are the things, what are some of the, let's put it this way. What are some of the mistakes that you, you would want to avoid while building a team and while, while building an organization like that? Um, or you can okay. go the other way around. What are the, what are the things that you should be doing? Um, so I guess, I guess I've been lucky that I did not form my philo like work philosophy in the art world. I built my work philosophy working in hotels, restaurants, and places where efficiency and goals and specific tasks need to happen or else the organization basically falls apart. Mm -hmm. So that opportunity really informs even my own practice as a as an artist like there there are things that need to happen in order for things to move forward and i've been lucky that i bring that baggage of organizational uh, knowledge into my own work um and then i did not study photography or art i, I did a master's in arts but my bachelor is in leisure management. So I know about management too. Yeah, man, so, that's so funny. Hospitality. It's like that mentality is so yes. baked into what I do that I'm like, mm -hmm. all I think about is management structure. And it's mm -hmm. like so boring to everyone else. And I'm thinking like, you're, a, you seem like a master of this. And it's, so, it's such an unappreciated craft. It is. And, and, and believe me, I'm like, maybe the worst manager out there. But I have the the feeling of it. Um, and I've been lucky to find people that want to work with me that have that same vibe or that understand that that needs to happen. Uh, I would say that, like, for me, my role is more of the, the person who imagines. And because of the experience, both in management, in, 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 in the hospitality, hospitality area, and in working in the arts, those fused together to now be coming here to Web3 and say, okay, this, this, and this, if you combine this, there's a possible outcome and let's try it, right? And, you know, every every single thing has been different. Uh, like, like even Rawdow, I mean, I had some growing pains there because it was about decentralization and it's like sharing a decision-making with all these people. I was like, it's, no, the, it's the opposite you, of what you yeah, learned. Yeah, exactly. It's like, no, I, I don't like, like raw now. I can't do it. Like, we need to get there. Like, that's the way. And and I remember having very long conversations with Lee, Louise, DT, and, and he made me understand that this is a, a social experiment. It's, a, it's, it's another way to understand how an organization can work. And when I it, it sank into me, I was like, all game. Let's try it because I... I would never do this voluntarily, but I'm here now. Let's let it happen and see what happens. And I'm going to learn from those things that I would never put myself in, in a situation like that. So, it, it, I mean, it's, a, it's the same mentality of an artist. You need to be vulnerable and risk and show work that maybe you're uncomfortable with, that, you know, it doesn't feel safe. But if you go to that uncomfortable place, you might have a breakthrough and do like, this artwork that everybody's going to rave over because you went that extra vulnerable step. That's how I felt in raw now. It was like, oh, okay, I'll let it go. Let, just, just let it happen. 
and it's really informed the other organizations that I've done. It's like, okay, this is how that works. Do I want it to feel that way, or do I, is it going to work if I we let it be that way? No. Okay, let let's let's centralize these decisions so that this works because this needs very specific decision making. So yeah. it's being in both parts and being like open, I guess, uh, is what I think makes me work well in the space, I guess. Yeah, that's for me very super well, super yeah. well. Congratulations yeah. for that. <laughs> we all appreciate that. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so I think we, we had a lot of more questions mm -hmm. to go for, but that the time is is running yeah. out. So right. we would love to now we have the space for you to uh bring us some work that you want to highlight for everyone sure. to that we shouldn't miss. What are the works that we shouldn't miss? Okay. Well, a so, few. I know that a few, a few. So one of the, the, the ones that I, I'd love to highlight, and it's kind of in that vein of like building a team is the world today. Uh, that was, I think, mm, one of the most ambitious projects that came to my head. And, and I was lucky enough to, to have a, a team of people who decided, yeah, we'll, we'll do it with you. It's 138 photographers from more than 90 cities around the world. Uh, photographing at the same time during the months of March and April of 2022. And the idea was diversity, people that have never done NFTs. This was, a, and I think it is the biggest onboarding of Web2 photographers onto the, onto the NFT space out there. I think maybe more than 70% of the artists had never done NFTs. So we, we thought from Obscura, we're like, how do we help people de-risk their coming into NFTs? And when I say de-risk, it means like make it as safe as possible so that they can like start experimenting and considering the possibility of work being put out as NFTs. So all, all the work is new work. Um, it's it, to some extent, it's native photography in the, for NFTs. The first time that these works are seen are as an NFT. And now some people are doing public, they're publishing on magazines. Some are considering doing books or doing in real life exhibitions. Uh, it'll be in Miami at the Matt Arts Center in September. And it'll be in the Venice Biennale uh, as one of the periphery exhibitions in October. Um, and then we have the huge range. Talk about what Web3 does. We have Magnum photographers, super established photographers with emerging photographers, people who are still in university studying photography. All those, all that range is in there. And you have people from Africa, from Asia. Uh, you have like 50 something from Latin America, people that are not being represented in the NFT space. This is where you're, you're going to find them. And they're all mashed up together in, in one project. Uh, of 13,800 NFTs uh, that was uh, launched during the worst moment of the market. So we've had to, and, and, and here's another layer of this project. We had to like change gears. It's like, okay, this isn't going to work as a, like a, a blind mint. What else can we do to like make this work come alive? So we came up with a new mechanism where we're, we're, it's a six-month drop, 
And again, innovation, this hasn't been done. Like a six months drop of a project instead of like one time and that's it, everybody forgets. No, it's six months until December. Um, every week we have four to seven artists with the work that they already did. We do a Dodge auction, starts on Monday, finishes on Sunday. And every week you can come and see new work from new artists from around the world. Um, and that for me is pushing what photography can be. And conceptually, what is most intriguing for me is everybody had the same assignment. What is the world today? And what does that mean for photographers to think 138 people thinking exactly the same idea? And what is the result of that together? That is fascinating. That is a Web3 project. You can't do an exhibition with 13,000 prints. It's just not viable. No museum is going to take that, but we can do it on the blockchain. We can have the 13,800 images be an ex a web exhibition that lives on OpenSea. It's on Foundation. It's on Looks Rare. It's on our own website. So that is, again, the, lo like the little loopholes where I think we can do stuff with Web3 that you can't do in Web2. Um, so yeah, that's definitely a highlight for me. And it's, it, it's a project that's going slow. It's going fast sometimes. And that's fine. You know, I will it's, say that I just signed up to buy four more of these because they're awesome. And you'll find fucking amazing photos. Yes. Well, like not expensive. Yes, yes. So for right now, when I'm broke, don't tell anyone. <laughs> my twitter engagement will go down okay. but right now when i'm broke this is i am not saying like everything's cheap and it should be cheap but like you can find some insane steals yeah. uh and i'm like snatching up as much as i can right now so yeah. um definitely check this out everyone should definitely check this out and i didn't really realize what it was okay. until that spaces that you did that i popped in so it's like as much clamor as you guys made and as much marketing as, as you guys did, I was still like doing something else with my head <laughs> to the point where like it took another three or four months for me to find this thing. It's just so yeah. hard to find anything in Web3 that it's like. It's, it's what I'm talking about. There's an inefficiency to, to this space. Totally. Uh, yeah. We'll figure it out, I'm, I guess, sometime. I'm, I'm loving just to see. Um, I don't have to say anything, you know, just to see this, the images going by is yeah. It's just. And these photos that I've seen before, but now seeing it now, speaking with you, seems like it has another, another, and have another take on it. You know, yeah, seems yeah. even better. And, and there's, some, I mean, there's some like projects within. The, everybody had we call them sub narratives. So this was also a project where we really emphasized to the photographer to use the metadata to create something that you can't normally do with uh, photography uh, in web two. So every artist has like sub stories. And if you go into their metadata, you click on that trait and suddenly you have a new story of only 15 images. And that's a story between their 100 images that they, they minted for the project. And then you go to another sub story and it's 30 images. That's another story. Like for me, I was only photographing on Sunday. So it's Sunday one. It's my story of that Sunday. Sunday two is the story of that second Sunday. And then I like, I put the metadata of like my children. So suddenly you click on my son's name and you see my son during those four or five weekends and how he was changing 
through those four or five weekends. So it's not only photographs, it's their stories, literally their stories in between intertwined through the metadata of, of the, of the project. And in between different photographers as well, is yes. anyone like have the same trait that yes. you, you, you press and then there's different yes. photographers with the same thing. I have it right oh, here. Nice. We did, we did a huge grid, uh, and we're still to update more of that metadata, but like, uh, TWT, I think curation one, uh, we picked people who photographed earth work, recreation, beliefs, and fashion. A TWT curation two is about politics, roads, family, and fire. Uh, TWT, TWT three is uh, food and research. TWT four is architecture, health, water, and refugees. So you can find these same themes in Africa, the US, Latin America. So that is also something Crazy. very valuable about the That's project. That's really cool. It's amazing. Let's get off of this before anyone sees the ones that I want to buy. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of them, but I well, yeah, I'm poor as well, so yeah. I'm just uh, going to I'm just going to enjoy it. <laughs> and and there's there's still time. We've only minted out four thousand of the thirteen thousand, so it's again it's a project from here until December. We're slowly minting around five hundred uh, per week, and those connections add up every week. So suddenly you have you know the the idea of food, and it's only three countries. By the in two months, it's going to be six countries, and so on, and so on, and so on. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Let's push forward and highlight the other two people you wanted to bring in. Sure. Um, let's see. Let's talk about Pell Cass. Oh yeah. Pell, I uh, let me tell you my how I met Pell. I used to like go to a lot of portfolio reviews. Uh, which is like an event where you print out your portfolio and you have museum directors, art directors, uh, gallerists, and you basically show them your work. And I met Pell in one of those uh, reviews and I've always been a fan of his work. Like it's, it's conceptually is it's contradicting what supposedly the poetry of photography is. We, the, the whole 20th century was about capturing that unique moment that is so wow that that's why it becomes art right think about the Cartier Bresson the decisive moment you know he has this his whole philosophy is being at the right moment at the precise time and if you capture that then that's poetry that's photographic art and what Pell is doing is like completely the opposite it's like the undecisive moments it's all the moments at the same time and that is like breaking up what we supposedly should consider as art for photography. And then the execution is flawless. I mean, this guy is like spending hours, days on these pieces. It's just magnificent stuff. I mean, which doesn't matter which one you open. It's there's so I mean, much detail, so much like... Trying to find the one that I love the most, which I couldn't collect because I think Fellowship stole it as usual. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. On the beginning <laughs> of this space, Fellowship just rock. Yeah. Took everything. Oh, this is my this is the best one. Oh, the water polo, yeah. Water polo, because it looks like it's just like a giant water fight. 
like people yeah. are just mauling each other in this photo yeah, which yeah. I think is so hilarious. I mean, think I of... like I like the CT ones. I like the CT ones. Yeah, this one awesome. of the water is, I think, one of the most difficult ones because he's having to cut out like the splashes from the other photos, and like it's it's really really calculated to get that one. I mean, it looks like they're all fighting. I, I don't know if I could open it because my internet's being wacky, but I just okay. love everything in this collection is perfect for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's amazing, and you know he 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 understands how uh, like NFT photography was a natural fit to this work because it's digitally native. Like it was meant to be seen on the screen, and that's something that the con like these artists that we're working with understand that there was a rupture in photography when it was invented. It was invented as a one of one, the daguerreotype. That was mm -hmm. like the initial spark. And then, you know, we came and fucked it up six months later and we invented the, the positive negative method. And that and in the realm of art, that created a big problem for photography. That the original? The original is the, the, the daguerreotype. Like the, no, I'm saying like, is, oh. that the, is that the thing you're talking about, which is that you now that you have a negative, what is actually the original? Exactly, exactly. So, so that created like people starting to look around, how do we make art out of photography? And then we started to see like our printmaking cousins and we saw, oh, they do additions. Let's do additions for photography. And we basically shot ourselves on a foot because we could have accrued so much more value for photography from the start if there was maybe the original negative and one print and that's it right but we weren't thinking we were we we started thinking that photography was a communication tool which it is and that's great and it changed the world to think of it that way uh, but in the realm of art it's a problem because the the idea of provenance is not secured and that's when I'm talking to these artists, they're like, holy shit, this is going to solve the provenance issue of our work. Like this is, this is going to be probably the, the, the place where you can come to assure that this is an original work. And like for Guy Bourdain that we're selling now through fellowship, it's a catalog resume. Like the images, if you, if you guys go to super rare and see his pieces, you're going to see in what vogue it was published, in what book it was published, who in what exhibition it's been. So literally it becomes not only an aesthetic object, digital object, it becomes an education object. You go to that and you know where that image has been in the real world. That is that is utility, that is value. That is you know? cool. Yeah. Let's go to our last um, sure. yeah. suggestion. Oh yes, uh, Jonas. Oh yeah. So Jonas created what I think the first successful translation of a photo book into an NFT project. Jonas created this project. He went to Vélez uh, and he photographed this place where a lot of fake news comes out of. So this little town, I don't know how much of like the percentage, but news coming out generated from this town to be seen in the U.S., was very fundamental for the elections in the US. Really? So he yeah, he went there, he's a magnum photographer, documented it like if it was a reportage, but in reality, all the people, the objects 
they weren't there. He was just taking the scenes. He went back to Norway and with AI created the people, the objects, the cars, the, the bears, the all these little things that you see in these images are all AI. So he basically created a fake documentary on people who make fake news. He printed that out as a photo book, didn't tell anybody about it. He, he said that it was a real reportage. And in a book form, it looked real. Like you really, you, you were looking at real documentary photography. And then he created an AI persona in Facebook called Chloe. That was him. And Chloe was the one that outed him that it was all fake, that the whole project was a fake project. So it's like meta over meta over meta. And then Chloe was like bitching about him and telling him how he was a fake and how like fucked up it was that he did this project and didn't tell anybody that was that it wasn't real, but it was all him. And how did he like now it's the you know, the, the cat is out of the bag. There's nothing novel in, in the sense of everybody knows that this is what happened. When we approached him, we said, well, what can you do? for the NFT version of this project that adds an extra layer. And he's like, oh, I had not even thought about that. So he went on and minted the, the images, the final images, the 3D models, all the 3D models that he used for the photographs, the bears, the, the birds, the people, the cables, the computers, the, the, the skaters, everything that you see there is is fake and now you can see the 3d models and then he also minted all the texts that were in the book in the book that were ai generated so all the texts that you read are ai generated and now you can also buy that and then he also minted all the social media interactions that happened around the project all the people calling him you know a fake uh, all, uh, he also minted all the images from chloe all her selfies so this is the project where, you know, if you do this in a book, it'll be, it becomes boring, but as an NFT, it's like, oh, it's about, you know, media, it's about, you know, sharing information. And then if you go to the left, Jeff, uh, on the yeah. traits, go to, uh, let me see, uh, wait there a minute, the companion group, companion group. And then go to, uh, let's say, Nic Nicola, the one, yeah, that one. If you click on that, there you can see the same people and the interrelationships between the different parts of the project. Uh. The text that talks about the people, the models that are in the images. So it's a deconstruction that basically OpenSea lends us these tools to show the work in a more interesting way that you wouldn't do in a book. So it's, crazy. it's using the tools of Web3 to do a narrative that would be really boring to do in Web2. That's, yeah. That's cool for me. Man, that's like kind of uh, mind-blowing. Yes. I need time to go through this again. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to listen to our podcast to have the explanation again. <laughs> yeah, seriously. That was, that was I, yeah, I need to look into this. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's what excites me. Like people, like I told Jonas, what if you use the information about the different parts of the project and create connections? He's like, can you do that? I'm like, yeah, 
and he just went off. Like we were about to start minting and he took another month to develop all the metadata and the connections. That for me, that is using, you know, in a way Web3 that nobody's thinking of it to do projects that feel native to the space. It's not that he's a native crypto or a native NFT photographer. He's using a project that feels native to the tools. And we need more. It's amazing. Well, it's amazing. That blew my mind. <laughs> yes. So, Alejandro, thank you so much for cool. all that you gave us. Um, unfortunately, we need to wrap up. We're already beyond normal schedule. Okay. Um, there was so much more that I wanted to ask you. Maybe yeah. for yeah. the whenever we are still here in two year, in one okay. year, we'll go for the, the second, second one. Yeah, the second part. So, thank you so much for coming. I think we need to close. Uh, thank you for so much for everyone that is listening. Don't forget to subscribe, to like, to reach to us on Twitter or Discord or to Alejandro as well if you have any questions about all these projects and all this new world. And without further ado, thank you so much. See you next Thanks, time. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Vamos a hablar en español también. ¿Sabes? ¿Y qué tal? ¿Y qué tal cuando Jeff Jeff comes um Llega otra vez. Huh? Hablamos solo en español. Ok, ok. Venga. Vamos a hacer eso. Son poco. Son de broma. <risa> Entonces, vale. Te, sí. Vamos a continuar. Entonces. Sí. Sigamos. Vale. Estaba muy interesante el, lo que estábamos hablando antes de, sí. del bagaje y la oportunidad. Sí, de entonces. Que... La pregunta que te quería poner ahora. <risa> I don't like this. <risa> What sucks is I'm trying to understand it. I'm like, I think I know what they're talking about. <laughs> Killing Ber me. Bernardo put me up to it. I'm sorry. <laughs>